everybody. Hey, it's, it's always weird when I do this without Kevin, because Kevin is the one who just jumps in here like a barrel of energy and, uh, and, and, and exhorts me to action. However, today on this episode of Black Man Beyond, um, I do not have Kevin uh, once again, otherwise we wouldn't call it this. Um, he is, uh, as, as he's prone to do, off in the world doing Kev shit, um, which means that it falls to me to hold it down for the good folks in Poundtown. Um, and do another episode of Black Man Beyond. Um, I'm fairly excited about this episode for a couple of different reasons. Um, the the not the least of which is that we get to talk about a bunch of new trailers. We get to talk about the the Guardians three trailer, the Fast X trailer, and the little Runny Guy Fast trailer. Um, we get to talk about uh, Last of Us two episodes, episodes four and five. Uh, last time we were here with with Tiffany Smith, we talked about uh, the the heartbreak of episode three. And then we'll get into more heartbreak because it seems like that's what this show is all about. Um, but I, and I think I've mentioned it before on on the podcast that uh, that when I was when I was a wee lad in high school um, and junior high in, uh, in Long Island, New York, a town called Baldwin, um, that's where I grew up. I was born in the Bronx, grew up in Baldwin. Um, I was your average standard misfit. Um, who never quite, you know, the, the Legos never matched in the right holes. And so I, I, I skittered through a bunch of social, cir- social circles. I played on the football team. I was in the drama squad. I, you know, loved comic books. I played Dungeons and Dragons. Like I played basketball in the summers. Like I was, I was that weird polyglot kind of kid. Um, and consequently, my, my, my musical tastes in like the, the mid 80s were a little bit all over the place. There was, um, jazz and, and Motown for my parents. And there was sort of the, the, the pop of the day, you know, rap was beginning to feel itself in a, in, in a large, in a large way, you know, run DMC and LL Cool J and on the, on the heels of like Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and, and all of that stuff. And, and so, and music for me, it never really quite fit all of the things that I was. And so there were a couple of artists over the course of, of that development period when the, 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 the clay was still wet and the soil, the soil was still fertile, who sort of unlocked for me the me that I could be in the world, the things that I could love in the world and not have to apologize to anybody for loving it. Um, Prince, I think, was the first one who kind of opened the door for me in that way that you could be black and you could play guitar and you could play synths and you could rock and you could be flowery and you could be in touch with every element of your sexuality that you could you could be sort of the like a black david bowie even though david bowie was his own weird alien self um and and the other one you know and we'll we'll hit this very hard towards the end of the podcast was de la soul um which sort of opened up for me a rap that did not have to be about machismo it did not have to be about braggadocio it did not have to be about chains and and boom boxes and all of that stuff it could be about whatever the hell you wanted it to be about um and it could still bang as hard as fuck um and then sort of the third element of that the third leg of that table the third wall of that pyramid for me was was living color like living color got to be the, the the hardest version of that living color got to fucking go hard you know but go hard in the way that you know Zeppelin went hard, go hard in the way that fucking Megadeth went hard, go hard in the way that like rock and metal and all that shit can go hard, but also be black as fuck and unapologetically so and be the first time I got to see that in the world. 
Um, there were no music videos of black rock bands before I saw Called the Personality on MTV. It just didn't happen. And, and it, it was this sort of tectonic shift in the who I was going to be. And then I could like everything. I could like all of it. And all of it could then, in turn, be available to me. And I didn't have to feel weird for it. I didn't have to feel outcast because of it. And, and so I just incorporated it. And it helped to calibrate the sort of compass of my life in who I was going to be and how I was going to conduct myself. And, and it's always been there. Like those three pillars of, of that part of pop culture still remain inviolate to me. They are the things that made me who I am and allowed me to like the things that I like and to fall in love with things that I ordinarily wouldn't have. And so the, one of the weird side effects of getting to do a podcast like this is occasionally, um, and my life is weird in any number of ways, but you do get to collide in the most wonderful ways with your heroes. And I have, to date, never really been let down by them. Um, maybe I don't have enough heroes. <laughs> so maybe, maybe my uh, the, the, the sample set isn't big enough for me to get uh, completely heartbroken by it. But uh, but every now and again, you get to, to have an interaction with somebody who meant something to you, a, a, an incredible amount to you as a kid. And then discover that in the oddest of fucking ways that you have meant something to them as well. And so it, it is it is with like humility and honor and awe and joy that I get to welcome Corey Glover to co-host this episode of Black Man Beyond with me. Oh, hey, man. How's it going, dude? <laughs> How are What's you? What's happening? I'm awake. Um, I we had... Yeah, we got it there. We finally got there. You <laughs> called me a couple times. I was like, nope, can't do it. No, don't want to do it. Can't do it. But I'm here now. And of course, this morning I had oral surgery. I had two teeth yanked out of my face. Oh, so shit. don't mind me. Don't mind me. I'm going to be loud. <laughs> my face hurts. Uh, well, thank you for, uh, for enduring um, oral agony to come and hang out with me. No problem. This is much better than having somebody drilling into my face. Uh, that is exactly the kind of, uh, of of A and B that I like to exist in. Right. How you doing? You're better than drilling me in the face. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then I win. You win. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you very much. I know you were on tour last week. You were you were on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been doing a lot of running around. I was out with uh, two fourths of Soul Asylum doing this acoustic thing. Where I was doing my solo, some of my solo work, and I'm always contractually obligated to play a Living Color song, no matter where I go. It doesn't matter. But, <laughs> um, so doing that, and before that, I was on this cruise called Ship Rock. Shout out to them, and it was. So I was on a boat for like five, six days. So, and every time you called, I was like, nope, not here. Nope, <laughs> not, not home. home. Nope, not home. Shitty Wi-Fi everywhere I go. Nope, can't do it. Well, um, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad we got it together. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to not Chris Farley my way through this. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time you, you were on tour? <laughs> The stones, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but tell me, yeah, go on. I tell you, I'll tell a few stories. Go on. Ask, ask, I mean, ask. Listen, man, if, if if whenever you wanna whenever you need to drop me a nugget, I will I will gladly take it. 
Um, but where, you know, where did your nerd come in? Where, where, what, what's your way in? It was, uh, I am the youngest child and my brother, my brother and sister are over 10 years younger than, uh, 10 years older than I am. So I basically grew up around adults. And, but I loved weird shit. I loved, I, comic books aren't weird shit, but I was like into falconry. I got, yeah, the, the, yeah, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn. Wow. In Brooklyn. Were those just rats? Get a glove for pigeons. It was horrible. It was horrible. I'm pigeonry. <laughs> right. I was into archery. I read a book somewhere about archery and I just lost my mind and thought I was going to be like the green arrow, you know, just running up across the rooftops with, with a bow and arrow. It was weird. It was weird. Um, But I was... Always, my family was always somewhat artistically inclined. My sister was an actress, and my brother was a singer. So somehow I was going to do one of one of both one of both of those things at some point in time in my life. And because I was dealing with older people, my conversations to people my age were never right. <laughs> <laughs> they were like. What are you talking about? Why do you sound like that? Why do you talk that way? You know, and I got I I, I got the the obligatory, you know, sound black, you know, mm-hmm. constantly and your what's what's your deal and all that stuff until I found a few people that I knew were just like me. Like and and I found the variations of them. Like I found, you know, LARPers. Like I had a friend that was a LARPer, didn't tell anybody, didn't tell a soul that he was a LARPer until I saw him in the park. I was like, John, <laughs> what are you doing here? Because we talked about comic books, and then it was like I found out he was like he's in his in his cardboard armor running around. I was like, wow. And I had lots of friends that were musicians that were like players and that you know when I was younger they were never around to hang out with because it was hard taking lessons but then when they got when we got to be teenagers they got into bands mm-hmm. and then and for myself I got into co- choirs like I got the church choirs and and I got into all city high school chorus and then I had a friend that I was in a choir one of the church choirs I was in who turned me on to Bad Brains, and I lost it. He turned me on to Bad Brains and Fishbone. I was like, oh, that's it. I got it. That's me. I got it. There I am. And I found myself. I really, really found myself in that. And I went to a hardcore matinee when I was like 18 or 19 and was transfixed to watch Bad Brains in action. And I have not looked back ever since. So I come to it pretty, I come to my geekdom pretty honestly. You know, I mean, I think, I think everybody does, you know, I don't, I don't at all want to gatekeep. I don't all Mm. want to, you know, I mean, I do, I I remember the refrain when I was like 20 years old of like, 
where are all the ladies at? <laughs> Why are there no ladies here? You know, and like, I don't understand the social forces that might have driven some of those women underground. I bet you they look right. like comic book store owners who, you know, had tests to, to allow people to walk in. Right. Gatekeeping was real. Um, but I think that everybody who loves it loves it because they love it. Like, you wouldn't right. choose it if you could. <laughs> you know, uh -uh. Definitely not if you're in your 50s. Like, it uh -uh. was not it was not easy to be a nerd back in the 80s. No, no, no. There was a lot of running involved in that. I had to run a lot. <laughs> a lot of running. Like, because <laughs> comic book shops were in some weird-ass neighborhoods that I was not allowed to be in after a certain time, so I had to run. Or, <laughs> I remember, like, in my 20s, there was a club in Brooklyn called Lemoore's. Mm -hmm. And the way you got to Lemoore's as a black person, you took the D train to a certain stop and you ran to the club because you, because the neighborhood was a gauntlet, <laughs> you know? So you ran and hid and ran and hid until you got to, got to the club, you got into the club and then you start, then you did just stretching for after the gig and it's like, okay, I'm going back to the train station now. <laughs> so <laughs> you had to run back to the train station. So Yeah it was not easy in like the eighties to be in that, to, to want to go to a hardcore matinee or even go see some, even if you wanted to go see something that was not on the beaten track, like as I said, I'm from Brooklyn and everything that you listen to was gatekeeped. It was they kept, they definitely kept it that. And if you said something outside of that, it was you just got it like that i could talk about you know a kiss record in the same way that i could talk about you know a key sweat record drove people crazy yeah, <laughs> you know they don't know what to do with you right <laughs> you know <laughs> i like them both i do yeah uh and also was, like kiss was kiss was a good like if you're a nerd, Kiss speaks to you. Mm -hmm. Like even even if you don't, even before you get to the music, which is not fucking bad. Like I I, I swung around to Kiss, like listening to it later on. But I was all mm. about the theatricality. I was all about the makeup. I was all about the demon and the blood and the tongue and the books. Like all of and it the, spoke to an eight year old. And the kitty cat. I didn't understand that, but it didn't have to. Um, <laughs> what? Why your cat and drummer's cat drummer? Okay, yeah. got it. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, for for somebody who liked Josie and the Pussycats, this was <laughs> right in line. <laughs> <laughs> they went exactly. anime band waiting to happen. Right. And so now, how old how old were you when uh when Living Color when when you joined when you and Vernon and Muzz and the gang? I was maybe twenty two, twenty three years old, like. I got into the band, and this is this is the the story I tell everybody. Is I got into the band because I sang "Happy Birthday," and how that went was I was at somebody's party, and I was talking to some people, and they wheeled out a cake, and the person whose birthday it was said, "Nope, nobody's singing Happy Birthday." That guy is, and it was like I'm going to give you a really rough reference, but it was like that girl. So it was a, <laughs> um, 
And I was like, huh? What? What? Okay. So I sang happy birthday. And Vern happened to be there with his sister. And we struck up a conversation. We exchanged phone numbers. And it turns out that he lived like six or seven blocks away from me. And we both lived in Crown Heights. And he lived on Empire Boulevard. I lived on Brooklyn Avenue. So um, he invited me over one day and played me some of this music. And this is the first time I heard songs like I Want to Know and Funny Vibe. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need a singer for this band. I've been singing and I'm really not doing a really good job. So we need a new, we need a, we need a full-fledged <laughs> singer to do this, do this kind of thing. It's like, all right, I'm down. I'm so down. I'm so down. And I auditioned for it. And he said, don't worry. I'll call you in a couple of weeks and let you know whether you got it or not. And we'll, either way, one way or the other, you, you'll, I'll let you know. Okay. So a week went by and three weeks went by and a month went by and two months went by. And then I got a phone call from Vernon saying, our singer can't do the gig. Can you do it? <laughs> and that is the nature of my relationship with Vernon Reed. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, it was a gig at CBGB's. I went down, we rehearsed, uh, uh, and um, we did the gig. And the guy never came, the, the real lead singer never came back. So I've been stuck with this job since then. <laughs> so I, you know, it, it is easy for me to imagine only because, you know, as a person who has like, read a bunch of music coverage, who's watched a bunch of documentaries and shit to imagine what 22, 23, 24 years old is like, suddenly you're on stages, suddenly you're on arenas, suddenly you're traveling the world. What the fuck, man? I, 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 you, your guess is as good as mine how what happened, that shit was. I have no fucking idea what happened. All of a sudden, you know, we went, this is, this is the really weird thing. We went from traveling in vans, like we were in, you know, a kind of line, church vans, driving up and down the East Coast and driving West, and driving around to being on tour buses and playing in stadiums. We played in places that are big as their living room. For up until the point, you know, the Stones called and said, you want to do this? Like, hell yeah. And we were on stages that you could fit all of the places we played around the country in one stadium. So we went from Feast to Famine really, really quickly. And while this was all going on, our relationship to MTV had drastically changed. Like, we had... um. We had a hard time, like, with the first single, and and they were like, MTV was not particularly interested. They played it late at night. It was like it was a glorified radio station at the time, and and they just were not feeling us at, really. Mm -hmm. And then we, and we said we were telling them, you know, put out Cult of Personality. It'll it'll be it's a really good song. I think it'll work. We think it'll work. And lo and behold, it did. But it, there was some behind-the-scenes politicking going on that we didn't had no idea until after the fact, because we were on the same label as Michael Jackson. Ah. Uh -huh. And the guy, the head of promotion, 
sort of hinted to the program director at MTV is like, it'd be a shame if Michael Jackson didn't get put on MTV this week if Living Color doesn't get put on. So... <laughs> So, yeah, you figure that out, okay? <laughs> See you later, bye. No, no. Uh, oh, <laughs> the the nerd in me now wants to know um, what country that you visited is the best place to be a nerd. Best place to be a nerd. Like, is it Japan? I feel like Japan is always at the top of that Japan, list. Japan, Japan is on top of that list because. You can get anything out of a vending machine out of Japan. <laughs> wow. Anything. Anything. I need a ball peen hammer. Right there. <laughs> I gotta go pick up a hallway full of people. I need a ball right. peen. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like it, they're like their music places. There, there was a store those last time I was there that you could go and say, I want this, I want this record, I want that record, I want this record, I want that record. And they will make you an MP3 that you can then download at some point in a mix the way you want to hear it. Most amazing shit I ever saw in my life. Wow. Um, so you can make your, you can get your own mixtapes made in, this, in these, some of these places. And like, um, to go get gadgets, and I was a freak, for, I am still a freak for gadgets. Like anything you can think of, a left-handed nose clipper, whatever you're looking for, it's there. It's there and probably in a vending machine. And yeah, Japan is Japan is number one on that list. But, you know, you go to places, strangely enough, like London, you'll find it. It's, a more, it's a really expensive, but it's in but it's in London. Mm. Um Buenos Aires, Argentina. Don't know why, but I have no... But you can find all kinds of geek shit in Buenos Aires. Really? I don't know why. I don't... I really don't understand why. <laughs> they got nerds. But They got nerds. They got tons of nerds. They obviously <laughs> have a shit ton of nerds in Argentina. Um, Where else? Can you find Toronto? Mm -hmm. um, why, why am I blanking on the name? It's also in Canada. Um, Vancouver. Vancouver. Montreal. Alberta. Montreal. <laughs> Montreal, not so much. Alberta, not so much. But Vancouver and Toronto are like geek headquarters, West Coast and East Coast, evidently. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if like that's that's a weird Hollywood byproduct, right? Like everybody who's going up north from here to go shoot mm -hmm. their show for like five months. Like, listen, I need a store. I need my shit. I need my fix. <laughs> like, you got to open up a good fucking role playing spot. I, right. need, I need my figurines. I got I got my, my mini figs. I got to paint. You have. Is there a D and D card store anywhere around? <laughs> I need my mages card. I need new mages cards. All kinds of shit. Yeah. Toronto definitely. You can do that. Yeah. Canada in general is sort of like geeky world. Is geek world. Mm. It's, you know, Canada 
but you can be but you can be geek on so many different levels. Like you can be a hockey geek and make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> like that makes no sense to me. I never understood hockey. I never it's hockey. I, no offense to anybody who likes hockey, but hockey is just a lot. A lot. Hockey's a lot. I never dug it. I grew up on, on you know, again, if, right, you're in, if you're on Long Island, if you're in the city, then you got like the Islanders and the, and the Rangers. Rangers to deal with. And if you're close enough to Jersey, the Jersey Devils, like you're always on a train with a bunch of people right. coming out exactly. of the station. I, I, love the, I love the jerseys. I, the jerseys are really cool. And there was a point in time when, when hockey jerseys were like the fashion thing and I wore a bunch of them on teams I didn't know. And then I found out like Mario Lemieux was like a fan of living color. And he gave us, he gave me a, a, a he gave me a fucking Jersey. I was like, <laughs> I still don't like this sport. Um, I, you know, I don't like it either, but you know, in my, in my dotage, I have learned um, that the hockey that people watch today is in great part because of the uh, escaped enslaved people who, when they went North, went to fucking Canada. And there was a place called Africatown that, you know, mm-hmm. they had a hockey league that yes, wouldn't let did. the black people play. And so the black people started their own league. It was like a church league. And they're the ones who invented slap shots. And the black right. people the ones who invented checking. Like, did, all did you the ways... This... Did you read that book, Black on Ice? No, I never did. There's a book. Um, my, as a friend of mine, Michael Williams, who used to work for Much Music in Canada, uh, hit me to this book called Black on Ice and I don't have it near me but it's about that story of how modern day hockey owes its a great deal to you know escaped slaves from from south of the border that came up and and started making this making this game a little more interesting you know icing all of it you know there's a bunch of stuff that that, that uh, yeah it still doesn't make me want to go out and play it, though. No, I don't care how I don't care how black it is. <laughs> right on, got my fist in the air. You go for it. Do what you want to do. I'm not doing. This has been your Black History moment with Mark and Corey, ah! <laughs> where, where we explain to you that the thing that you love that you think was super white is actually crazy black. Very. Also, meet most of American culture. But <laughs> before I before we digress too deeply into I don't know, say football, uh, definitely basketball. But um, were you were you growing up? Were you a Marvel kid or a DC kid? I started out as a Marvel guy. Because I one day I don't know how this happened. There was a there was a house being rebuilt, and I don't know. I walked through this house, and I found these old like underneath some floorboard somewhere. Somebody had stashed a bunch of Superman annuals from 1956, and I was transfixed by these books. And I was reading them. I was reading them. I was reading them, and. I was I wasn't old enough to understand what I had in my hands, mm-hmm. really, and I traded them for Marvel books, which looked a lot better. <laughs> so, so I was then hooked on Marvel books because I because they're like, wow, this is this the the industry has gone leaps and bounds since 1957, obviously. Yeah. But he I, like somebody gave me like an Iron Man from like. 76 i don't i don't know who was doing those books but the the attention to detail and all that stuff was just incredible incredible to me it was like television in a book 
And I, I just, and I've been hooked on Marvel ever since. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially as a New York kid, there was always something about Marvel that, like, you could go to Greenwich Village and find the Sanctuary Sanctorum. You, mm-hmm. could, you could maybe go and find the Baxter Building or, you know, Stark Tower. Like, that shit was real. The Daily Bugle the, was in the Flatiron Building. Like, you could right. go. <laughs> right. I saw, like, I've been to, you know, Forest Hills, Queens, and I, that's, I know Spider-Man's around there somewhere, you know? <laughs> Whereas like or, Metropolis is like it's kind of New York and Gotham is also kind of New York, but right. it's you know it, it's not it's not the real real, but. right? Right. It, you know it, it, when you saw like I got into Luke Cage, it's like okay, that's not Lenox Avenue, but it's close enough. I get it. <laughs> I get what you try to do. It's not close, but you're right. in Harlem at least. At least you're in Harlem, and I like I know where Harlem is. Right. It was it was the Harlem that had never been visited by many of the artists who were drawing Harlem. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like I, exactly. I was up there, and I, I I got a vibe. I've seen pictures. Yeah, I I don't go past Ninety Sixth Street, but yeah, it's over there somewhere. Yeah, Hundred Twenty Fifth. Oh, that's that's. I don't know if the train goes that high. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is? Uh, what was that movie that uh, was it? Jim Jarmusch. It was a uh, brother from another planet. Oh yeah, the guy says. Yeah, he says, you want to see all the white people disappear? Next stop, 125th Street. And everybody gets off, all the white folks get off the train. (laughs) All right, yeah, see, I asked you that question, A, because I was curious. Um, Mm. And I had an idea, I had an inkling giving the New York of it all. I feel like all all New Yorkers were Marvel Comics fans um, to a certain degree. Um, At least it was their first exposure. But that that will dictate the order in which we talk about the trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl. Are you are you uh, are you a, are you a sports ball person? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did not. I did not watch the, the Super Bowl, but I was, and neither did my children. <laughs> Don't <laughs> we, care. <laughs> I, we're all geeks, and it was like we were driving around, and it was like, wow, there's nobody on the road today. Wonder. <laughs> oh yeah, that thing is on. <laughs> right. We should go to some museums or something. No lines <laughs> to nowhere. It's just, it's just, the roads are free. We could speed everywhere. <laughs> Cops are around. Let's go. So, uh, yeah, because we there were three trailers that dropped, three big ones. I'm not going to mm-hmm. count the little car commercial that the Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer was. Right. But we had uh, the Flash, the the first real look at the Flash. Mm-hmm. We had the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, the first full trailer for that. Right. And then we had uh, maybe the biggest superhero movie of them all. Fast X, which right, right. everybody in those movies are fucking mutants at this point. Obviously, because <laughs> they can't die. Can't die. You know, physics don't apply to them. You know, maybe maybe decades of inhaling NOS has, <laughs> has uh, changed their genetic structure and they're all just mutants now. Right. Well, Vin looks a little different. Okay, here's the thing. I knew Vin Diesel when he was the bouncer at this club in New York called Area. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember me, but I remember him because that was that voice was was very distinct even then. <laughs> and um, one time, I was trying to get into the club with, with a friend of mine. It was my manager at the time, and he was like, "And I was like, I'm on the list." It's like, "No, your name is not on the list." It's like, "Look again, it's not on the list." And 
my friend guy was like, tell him where you're from, Corey, because this is getting tiresome. It's like, hi, I'm from the band Living Color. And Vin looked at, looked up and like looked me in the eye. It's like, and then got that look of shock. And he's like, come on in, come on, go, 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 <laughs> go. But yeah, that, that was, uh, so to watch the rise of Vin Diesel has been a very interesting thing. I can imagine. I can imagine. You were, you, you know, windows to, to, to wonder. Like, right. huh, guy. All right. right. <laughs> Good for you. Go on with your bad self. Right. Um, all right. So then let's, let's talk about Fast and the Furious Volume 10. Okay. Are, are you a fast person? Was, is that your chance? It, it is not because it, it just, it's just like a lot. There's a lot of cliches and cars mm-hmm. and like, I was never that cool. I always wanted to be that cool. <laughs> I was, I wanted a fast car. I never had a fast car. I always had a very sensible used car that I always bought. And I was never, I could never get into a fast car. Vernon bought like a Mustang one time. It was like, you're going to kill yourself because you can't drive. Vernon. <laughs> you're going to die in that car. You need to get rid of it. You're a New and, York City kid. <laughs> you, you didn't learn to drive until you were in your 20s. You don't need that car. You were in your 30s. I'm sorry. You were in your 30s when you learned how to drive. You don't need that car. Um, I, I, I am a fast person uh, in, in every sort of way. But uh, I've, I've never seen a film series warp itself in so many different ways. Like, it started as, like, a point-and-break ripoff, right? Like, right. Pretty blonde kid goes undercover amongst the, the the bad guys doing bad shit, masquerading right. in street racing culture, and it's just a cops and robbers movie. Like that's it, you know. Right. Undercover, am I going to get blown? Am I not? I fell in love with this guy's sister. I really like him, but oh no, we got to race once, and like that's it. And by like the ninth movie, they're going to space. I've never seen a movie series do this. I've never seen. I mean, I've seen twenty five Bond movies. I've seen right. thirty one Marvel movies. They always began, we're going to space. Like, that's cool. Like, fucking Tony Stark, it's the upper atmosphere in Iron Man right. 1. Like, we right. know what that is. But this fucking musclehead mechanic is suddenly, like, piloting rocket ships and shooting submarines and yanking helicopters out of the sky. Yeah! I, 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 it's, it's, it's so fantastic. And, you know, I think the only movie that I actually... Saw was Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I saw it in its entirety, and I didn't fall asleep on. Um, Strong, and I was like, "This doesn't make any sense either." This, I understand that this is based on something that's going on uh, on another franchise, but this makes no sense. They're going to fall off these cliffs. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to die, and nobody dies. Turn, cars turn over six, seven, eight, ten times. Nobody dies. No, it's a G.I. Joe cartoon where it's just like you shoot the plane and then suddenly everyone's got a parachute that pops out of it. (laughs) He's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. We can't kill anybody on Channel 11. Three o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Three o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, like I I don't don't know what it is. I think I I just, I love the inherent daffiness of it and I love how they double down on it. They're never afraid to be as dumb as it is. And like, 
All right, sure. What are we doing now? Okay, space, why not? Dinosaurs, yeah, Fast 11, sure. Time travel, hope so. Yeah, I've been told that there's some time travel in in one of these other episodes, uh, episodes, (laughs) one of these other movies of Fast and Furious, and I don't understand how that happens. Do they go faster than the speed of light and go backwards or something? What happened? I mean, you know, we'll get to the flash in a bit. But no, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll, we'll but I'm get saying to the did, speed force. Did that happen? It, did, 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 did time travel happen in one of the Fast and Furious movies? It, it has not yet. I mean, there's been flashbacks to shit, but they, they've right. never like, uh, we got to go hashtag family and save them <laughs> from the past. I am right. Groot. Right. Uh, no, they haven't done it yet. But again, everything is possible. Like, there's. Like, if at one point, like, in one of these movies, they pull the fucking tarp off of the car that he's supposed to race, race in, and it's the DeLorean, like, from Back to the Future, like, and there's fucking Doc Brown's like, I got it for you, Finn. <laughs> you gotta go back to save tomorrow. Oh, my God. Nothing is, nothing is off no, the table. Nothing is off the table, huh? Nope. Wow. I mean, it better not be at this point. They went to fucking yeah. space, man. They went to space. All of that said, I'm going to see this movie. I'm going to see it like opening day because I'm that cat. Of course you are. Of course I am. You know, it's and it's it seems to be like the greatest hits of them. Like everybody right. who has ever been in one of these movies, except for Dwayne Johnson, seems to be back <laughs> for this one. Now, my understanding is that this is a p- two-parter. Yes. And Fast X, Fast X 2. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Fast X2. It sounds like some heartburn medicine. I don't understand what this is. Um, it's, it's like, so everybody is going to be in the first one. Mm-hmm. And the rumor mill is that nobody really dies, of course, because nobody dies. But the second one, Fast X2, Electric Boogaloo, mm-hmm. will be just have Dwayne Johnson in it. <laughs> just him just him <laughs> just him yeah it's, like, it's the fast x we get everybody you want it fast right. x 2 one of these does not play well with others right <laughs> right so we're letting we're gonna find find him under some rebel he's gonna break that like what do you break his arm in one of them and then he just, oh yeah his daddy's gotta go to work and he just snaps <laughs> it out of a splint <laughs> Right. There are no it's, laws. There are no rules. There's no rules. None. I sort of None. appreciate it for that. Um, yeah, it looks big. It looks as dumb as humanly possible. Um, but it's, it's yeah. fucking catnip to me. So I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, let's talk about that. Let's, let's keep Vin in the mix and talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Right. Are you a Guardians dude? I am. I am. And I read the books back in the day. And... It was like that. Steve Ditko did those, did a bunch of those books, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think Ditko, Ditko, and, and and Kirby, I think touched a lot of that era of early, of early Marvel. And I think was it fucking? It's one of the Image founders did it also. Um, Not Todd. No, I was thinking Joe. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. That was that 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 was an acid trip. Those books were just the backgrounds. I don't know how you got to do those backgrounds and keep a story in in your head. Because you look at the story, <laughs> you look at the backgrounds, you go, uh, it's just you just mesmerized by it all. And then, yeah. 
and and then there's this story in, involved and eagle the the living planet says something speaks the planet it speaks yeah. i don't get it <laughs> jim valentino i think was, right. was a guy who was in on on guardians really early right um yeah, no, it was it was all like, hey, we all met drugs in the seventies, and then we made comic books, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, remember that acid trip? Well, here it is. Yep. Welcome to Dormammu. Why? Because <laughs> because <laughs> because just because so many mushrooms. Um, yeah, I I I was never a big Guardians fan in the comics. Um, it just didn't. You know, I was I was too much in the X Men and Spider Man. Mm. And I never swing the Guardians way, but I very much loved the first Guardians movie. Like I, I, I think did. that you know the tone is just right on point. You know it's emotional. You understand why you know Peter Quill is the way he is. You mm. understand the hole that's in his heart and how he fills it with this ragtag band of morons and assholes. Right. And, how, and each of them needs the other in order to find a way to be complete. You know, and it's fun. You know, I think that 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 Marvel movies have have always been fun-ish, but there's there's a sense of like there was a heaviness to the MCU by the time that that Guardians had come around. Yeah, and it was definitely necessary. It was a good. It was, it was a good palate cleanser. Yeah, from all the destruction and this the first one at least was before Ragnarok. I think before mm-hmm. they decided it needs that this needs to be needs to lighten up. And you got some real sort of levity out of just just fuck ups, you know, just the yeah. biggest the, the biggest fuck ups in the world, and how they the, the, how they fell up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it is also the story of the least qualified white dude in the universe. Oh, um, it is an impossible white man story. But most of them are. <laughs> most of them are. Um, but yeah, like on, on the heels of like Winter Soldier, on the heels of like. I think it comes out after um, after uh, Ultron. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, that was that was the weight of the world. It's all very fucking heavy, and this right. is just just fucking rock music, and we're bouncing, and we're right. cracking jokes, and uh, and and I, I very much dug the first one. It's the like the Van, one? it was the Van Wilder of the <laughs> MCU. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Oh, deep cut. <laughs> Uh, minus the Ryan Reynolds of it all, but right. you had your your other Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, other Ryan. Pratt. Um, the second one I didn't I didn't love quite as much. You know, like the the bounce was still there, but the father son story didn't quite gel Mm-mm. for me in 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 the way that that I that I'd hoped it would. And I think there's something always uh, magnetic about the finale of the story, right? The ending of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, what you choose to be the last song on your album. Right. What it what it says about the the other stuff that had come before, and so it it looks it looks like it's still got a sense of humor. It looks like it's still got that sort of love between the characters, even though they've got like the new Gamora in there who has no care whatsoever about Peter Quill, and like that's cool right. tension. Um, but it looks like it's in the hands of like this is James Gunn's probably his last Marvel movie. It's his last Guardians movie. This is the last time he's going to play with these characters. And so there's a feeling that, like, he took it as seriously as you can take a jokey romp through space. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's there are a bunch of sight gags that you can definitely deal with. But you, particularly in that trailer, when they, the whole thing with the high evolutionary and the rocket, 
mm-hmm. it's going to get really dark and really deep and very yeah. serious very quickly and you're going to go oh. it's you're going you're gonna to feel like you felt when you saw the Eternals like <laughs> no no amount of jokes was saving that that thing no you know no and I, and I think it's it, I, I'm going to go out on a limb maybe I'm not by myself on this limb I'm not sure but I do think that Rocket is some of the best work Bradley Cooper's ever done. I agree. You know, like, <laughs> I agree. So much fucking pathos, so much humor, so much gravitas. Like I could watch, I could watch him do that character all day right. long. Mm. I agree. I, I I think that that without have he doesn't have his handsomeness to hide behind in that with that character. No, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be, he's not a pretty boy. He's anything but a pretty boy. And all the ugliness that he can muster and <laughs> is coming out of that character. Yeah, all the ugliness that a beautiful person who's never been ugly can bring to bear. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Why do they call it acting? I'm pretending to be ugly on the inside. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. It's, it's, and it's just May. Like it, this, this year is barreling along and like, no. it's fucking like this weekend is Ant-Man Quantumania in like two months. We get this another month after that, we get the, the Marvels like, right. They're spoiling us rotten. And like, as much as I'm, as much as I do feel occasionally, can you guys slow it down a little bit? Like it's, it's hard for me to be nostalgic for a thing I get all the time. Right, um, I, and, I I don't I don't know what the what that that scheduling is about. Like I could wait, I could have waited another year for for Black Panther. Mm. I could have waited. Literally, I could have waited another year. I wasn't chomping at the bit, and and, and quite honestly, it would have given you more time to really flesh out that story and put all mm. the th- all the pieces in it that you needed if you needed another year. You wanted to put it out in 2023 and push everything else back, it'd have been great. It'd have been fine, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, and also like the the Black Panther movies have always been a little bit siloed, you know, in that there are not a ton of tendrils that affect the rest of the MCU per se. Mm-hmm. Like once you establish the Black Panther, once you establish Wakanda, it is not as if I mean, and yes, 100, percent you know, Namor is going to be a player in the MCU going forward. But it doesn't sound like he's in Quantumania. Doesn't sound like Mm-mm. he's going to be in the Marvels. Like you, right. you could have, to your point, like given it a little bit more space to breathe. Because I know they were all operating from a place of pain, and it's exactly. And it, and it it shows it. I think, and 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 with that, they could have pushed everything else back, and and made us want it more. Mm-hmm. The fact that that Ant Man is coming. And that's sort of like the main MCU storyline and Kang and all that stuff is coming. I get it. But you could have hinted your way into that story. You could have, you could have after credit scene your way into that story <laughs> and waited and waited a, another year or waited another six months and everybody would be like, what the fuck is happening? And then you hit him with it. Because I don't know. Um, like kids told me that um, it's not getting really good. It didn't get a really good Rotten Tomato score. Mm. So 
you could have made made it a more anticipatory, and then I think it might have got maybe getting the biggest better score. I think we're just getting piled on with Marvel movies. With with even with with the DCU, it's not the DCEU, it's the DCU mm-hmm. stuff. We're getting piled on with that as well because we're gonna get we're getting the Flash, and then we're getting Aquaman. Um, Aquaman, and there's something else that and Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Right. Yeah. Like that's Three. and then but first it's 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 fucking Shazam, then right. Flash, then Alchemist, and then Blue Beetle, all within like eighteen months. Right, and, and you know it's too much. It's it, that's that's a clear shot way of burning us out on on superhero movies. Not me per se, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> your regular punter out there is going to go and yeah another one. And they don't know the difference between Marvel and DC. And as it stands now, there are seven superhero movies coming out in this in the next in this next nine months. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a whole yeah, lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, especially because you know when people compare it to like westerns, right? Like right. that's all they fucking made in the fifties and the sixties. Mm-hmm. Every movie was a western, but they all weren't like the same western. They all weren't telling the same story about right. collective, like, well, what's John Wayne going to do this week's story? Oh, Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> How's he going right. to touch these five different movies? Right. You what know? is John Ford going to put on screen now? Yeah, totally. You That's the, the, the Clint Eastwood connected universe, which right. they did. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, you know, it didn't, it didn't have the same pressure. It didn't have the same, you know, regularity. Like, hey, went to right. fucking Italy, shot a bunch of Westerns as the man with no name. Right. You know, could they connect if you want them to? Do they have to? Not necessarily. Mm-mm. Not necessarily. Um, and speaking of, of the last trailer we got from the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl drop was the Flash. Was the uh, off-debated, uh, occasionally um, uh, reviled. Um, I know like, you feel a certain kind of way about this movie, and, and because of what's his name, I, I but, feel. Yeah, you know, it's it's a shame, really, because this movie looks great. It's it's really changed my mind because I was, you know, you had convinced me that I should not see this fucking movie because it's because assholes are being assholes and and just leave it alone. And I was like, no, I'm not going to see it because Mark said no, no. <laughs> so I appreciate you implying that I have any power whatsoever over anything. <laughs> Right. And then I saw the trailer. I was like, fuck, Mark, I'm going to go see this. You know, you know, like all all reports had been from everybody who has seen it, for everybody who's close to it is this movie's great. You know, we, right. we we have faith in this movie, says Warner Brothers. We have faith in these in these characters. We have faith in this director. I still think the person they have at the center of this movie kidnapped children. You guys like. It is not an easy thing to overlook thanks to a couple of press releases and I'm working on my mental health. There right. were legit crimes committed by the star of this film. Um, True. And so I'm curious to see, you know, A, if there is any repercussions for that, if there's any actual, you know, charges filed or, 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 or you know, trial set or whatever. But that said, I can, I can kind of look Hey, we all who have been alive for any amount of time have discovered that people who we loved in movies that we love are awful fucking people. A certain uh, gelatinous uh, pudding salesman 
we all know and knew and love was one of the most prolific rapists in the world. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he's a monster. Um, I don't imagine that Leonard part seven is coming anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) His monstrosity. So like, yeah, I, 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 how one feels about the flash and whether or not they want to support anything that has Ezra Miller's name on it is a personal decision for every person. All I can say is that movie looks fucking dope. It does. Um, Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think going forward, they're going to stick with him or are they going to, are they going to find a way to replace him or find a way in story to, to get rid of the, the actor? I mean, they are at the center of a multiversal story. And so should one want to replace that person, it is 100% possible to do so. I don't know if it's a matter of the next Flash movie will have a different actor at the center. I don't know if it's a matter of we will sunset the Flash for a little bit until we figure out the rest of the DCU. Mm -hmm. And notice that in all of the movies that that James Gunn announced, none of them were the Flash 2 even Hmm. though they've seen it and they think it's great. Um, It's entirely possible that it's just, we're going to let this cool for a while. This is going to do a good, a long way towards kind of resetting and and wiping a little bit of the stink off of the DCU. Right. Maybe in 10 years, once Ezra has figured out their issues and once they've gotten the care and the help that they need, we can revisit returning him, them to the fore. Right, 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 right. But, uh, But yeah, like, it is just, it's it's hard to watch, but I also get it because you watch them in that trailer and, and oh, no, they have something. A hundred percent. There's a bounce, there's an energy, and I get it. And I think that part of what's happening off screen for him is the price of fame. Like, he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he was, you know, I really feel like because he's he's concentrating so much on the characters and the characters he's played because, you know, um, that Harry Potter movie, not Harry Potter, it wasn't Harry Potter, but in the Potter Potter universe, whatever that mm-hmm. movie was, Fantastic Beasts. Right. That character was the only real bright spot in that movie to me. Mm. Because because of his performance, because of his acting and his pathos and his and, and his anger, like he's like he's living his life on screen. I don't know what he's doing off screen, but well, we kind of do know what he's doing off screen. But you could see that he's putting all of whatever it is that's going on with him on screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it is a difficult problem. I think for a studio to deal with, it's a different, it's difficult sort of moral issue for the viewership to deal with. Absolutely. Um, And you know, it's, it's the same, it's, it's similar to the issue that I think people are having with to, to, to piggyback off of your, your, your comment, the Harry Potter video game, which is, do I play a game based on a universe created by a woman who seems to not believe that trans people exist? Um, Exactly. At the very least that trans people have the rights that everybody else should have. Right. And and like if you want to play that game, play that game. Like it is your choice to make as a person who can do what you want to do. But you've mm. got to figure that part of the problem out for yourself. And I think that that part of put cuz they did supposedly put a trans 
Hawks character in, into the game. But as the, that's, that was, that was the game developers, not, mm-hmm. um, JK Rowling. And, but it just seems a day late and a dollar short yeah. for anybody. Yeah. You know, so it's, it is always the issue of a, do you let a person, um, redeem themselves? Do you allow for a redemption story? Do you do you allow for a person to get better than they happen to have been when they did this? You know, who gets to have grace? Um, right. Who gets to 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 be able to to work on themselves in the way that as a society we hope you would? Can they rehabilitate themselves? I'd like to hope so. I'd like to hope everybody can. I, I do too. But you know, there's also a a forgiveness gap mm. for in from the highest echelons to the lowest there's like once you're an asshole you're always an asshole and you're never going to not be an asshole no matter what you do to rehabilitate your 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 character in some way because we might not we don't believe your sincerity that you're doing this just so that you will continue to stay in the public eye and you know and we've fashioned ourselves off in a real way to like I can't I can't support her because she's a turf and I can't support him because he is, he's, he's harming children, you know, and no, and they, and they can't find a middle ground for any of it. And we, and we, we spend our days online doing that. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a function of the internet to, to sort of compartmentalize your, your ideas about people, but we got to, something's got to give in my opinion. I mean, yeah, there has to be some path forward that allows that people change because they do, right? They can only change because they want to change. You can't force a people to be, to get first person to be something they're not. Um, Mm -hmm. I bet you there are a lot of women who would say that about their husbands. So mm-hmm. I married this person thinking they would change. I tried to change them. They didn't. They did and, not. And now, you know, we're getting a divorce or, you know, right. vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. The change has to be internal and has to be genuine and sincere. And in that case, like, yeah, if a person does the work, then all right. It's like prison. You go to prison and you pay your debt to society and you come out a better person on the other side. That's supposed. That's what's supposed to happen. That's 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 what it was designed to be, right? And it was designed to rehabilitate somebody from by taking them out of society so that they can learn how to how to be a part of society. And we've we've cordoned people off and never to return again, no matter what they do or no matter how they were treated. Um, and, and it's a it's there's a subtlety to this. There's a nuance to this that we're not really getting. On some, in some cases, yeah, almost never, because nuance was the first thing to go when social media became <laughs> the way we communicated and the way we right. got our information. The, the, exactly. You can't get nuance in 140 characters. Not possible. No, no. Um, all right, listen, we are all going to see these movies because, of course, we are. We are nerds. That's of course, we are. That's what we do. That's what we do. Um, we are going to talk about the Last of Us um, in the episodes four and five in just a second, but first. I'm gonna pay some bills. Um, All right, you know, and and Corey, you can you can 100 be an innocent bystander while I sell some smell goods. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
This episode of uh, Black Man Beyond, as many fat men's are uh, before it, was brought to you by the good folks at Native. Um, when it comes to Valentine's Day, hey, we're all about the candy. Um, we're all about fucking Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. We're all about M&M's, the ones with the peanuts in them. We're all about Twixes. We're all about the joy. And that's why I am loving Native's new limited edition candy shop collection. Like all Native products, they are thoughtfully formulated to keep me and you smelling and deliciously feeling and smelling deliciously fresh all day long. You know them for their aluminum-free deodorant. Native keeps their ingredients list bare naked with ingredients you understand, like coconut oil, shea butter, and baking soda. Checks a lot of boxes, 72-hour odor protection, naturally derived ingredients, and a smooth residue-free application. They also offer a variety of scents with new and limited edition scents being released all the time, like gummy bears, strawberry vanilla taffy, sour berry belt. Oh, I said it right this time. Um, when, when you use native, I, I stumbled on sour berry. berry say, I almost did it again. Sour see, belly belt. Uh, I, last episode, just forget it. Couldn't get it done. But now we killed it until you made me do it again. Thanks, Corey. No problem. When you use Native, you will smell amazing all day long thanks to their long-lasting scents. Want to smell spicy and woodsy, sweet or clean and fresh? Native has a scent op option for everyone. So now is the time to make the switch from antiperspirant to Native. When you visit their site, you can discover all their fresh scents and maybe even try out one of their body washes while you're at it. So right now, go to nativedeo.com slash fatman or use the promo code fatman at checkout to get a sweet 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash fatman or use the promo code fatman at checkout for 20% off your first order. Thank you to the good folks at Native for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. That's great. Did I'm going to do it. You did it. You did it. Congratulations. I sold you. Fantastic. Excellent. We got one, Native guys. We did it. You did it. Um, Last of Us. Last mm. of Us, Last of Us, Last of Us. Mm. We are not we are not good folks, uh, viewers at home, going to spoil too much of it. Um again, it's been a it's been a minute, like you had in you had since last Friday, it's a few days. Um we're also not gonna do QA today because uh, all of us um middle-aged men are gonna go off and do Valentine's Day. Yes. Um, with the people who have for some reason chosen to love us. Um don't ask me why. Yeah, it's it's a mystery. The great mystery of life. Um, were you, are you a gamer? I am. I am. But I did not play The Last of Us. One of my sons did. Mm. He, he, he played it and is watching this show as well. So I get clued in on, oh, that's a cutscene or that's gameplay. And I didn't expect to see one of those in in the when they do it on television, that didn't make any sense in the game. Now it's on the, now it's on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about the show uh, in total? Now that we're more than halfway through it. I am loving the show. I think, you know, um, Pedro Pascal is the farrier of children. Evidently <laughs> that's his job <laughs> as an actor. He takes children from one place to another. And that's 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 who he is. And it's going to it, it's either going to be like Dune or Cattle Cannonball Run, but it's he's going to be there taking care of the, the wee ones and and getting them to where they need to be. And he's amazing at it. He's really, really sort of the the stoicness, but the emotion behind his eyes that you can see is incredible is incredible 
And the last couple of episodes, you you see what you're seeing now is with Joel sort of ramping up his emotional height thing and Ellie's sort of lowering hers mm-hmm. is very, very interesting. And see where they I want to see where they meet in the middle of this. And I guess we won't see that until the very end. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the story of a guy who does not want to be a father again, who right. finds himself in this position. And a young woman who has never had a father mm. doesn't really know how to react to it. And so right. as he warms to her, and you know, the end of the end of 104, um, I mean, most of most of the fourth episode, you know, felt a bit, you know, action adventure, right? Felt like post-apocalyptic mm. drama. Where right. here we are, rolling into Kansas City that's, you know, walled off. There's there's fucking thugs and gangs and armed guys and waiting to prey on the weak and like, can we survive in this town that's just run by um, Melanie Linsky, who's like the worst Karen that ever Karen? Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> super Karen. Wow. <laughs> super dupe. Like, like such a, wow. That's the, she was the most, like, I've seen her in other things. It's like, oh, she's sweet and she's pleasant. But wow, she's menacing and scary as hell. Oh, hell yeah. this. I mean, I, I worked with her on Castle Rock. And she's she's a lovely person, but there's <laughs> only imagine there is a there is a deep well that she can draw from, and like when she puts it on, when she decides she wants to be scary, it's right. still in the guise of what looks like you know she's a PTA mom, you know she right. feels kind of like you know she'd be she'd be a lovely person to have coffee with, unless you fucked with her, in which case she will shoot you in the face, <laughs> right, and then cut your balls off and keep them in her pocket. Absolutely. Um, you know, the thing that, 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 you know, this, this, these two episodes, this sort of paired couple, um, is Joel and Ellie, specifically Joel, encountering uh, another pair bonded couple of people mm. who have found or have built or inherited the kind of love he's never had. You know, mm. first it was Frank and Bill, you know, who, right. who had, the world's most perfect love, even when it was shitty, even when they had their bad days, they were meant for each other. They were each other's purpose. You know, Joel's purpose, you know, died in his arms, you know, 22 years ago or whatever that was. Mm. Um, and so in, in, in episode three, he encounters that deep, like committed love. And here he encounters, you know, with, with Henry and, and Sam, mm. you know, another kind of pair bonded love story of, right. Here's this older brother caring for his younger brother, but for all intents and purposes, it is a father and son. The the the, the age gap is enough that you right. could potentially buy that, and they are perfectly bonded together. They desperately need each other. They mm. they do not exist or could not function without each other. And here comes Joel, who's just figuring out how to fucking laugh again after right. twenty years of being in the boneyards. Right. You know, and uh, and and once again. You know, again, we're not going to like deep spoil, but spoil a little bit. Um, catastrophe befalls um, this couple. It, 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 you knew something bad was going to happen. Mm. You, 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 you were assured that anybody that they come in, that Ellie and Joel come in contact to, com- contact with, are going to be pro- going to have problems that they couldn't surmount. Yeah, but every time it's such a heartbreaking place to be it's just wow 
how do you drag my heart through the mud yet again <laughs> within two episodes of the last time you did it for a good thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just like I was getting, it's like, I can't be too happy. It can't be so happy. This, this can't be too that good. It can't be that good. And of course, this isn't that good. An episode and a half later, it's all, it turns to shit. Yeah. Wow. It turns to shit. You know, and, and that and we, we've talked a bit before on, on this podcast about the game was some 20, 25 hours long, that experience. Right. And so, you know, and the Frank and Bill story was drastically different in the game. Like there was no. Yeah, absolutely. There, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Henry and Sam, it, it, it also hits hard in the game. Um, the characters are slightly different in the game. Sam is not deaf. Um, you know, wow. straight up talks, you know, um, and the, the desire in, in, in listening to Craig Mason on the official podcast talking about how do I differentiate these, this kid from Ellie, like mm -hmm. they're about the same age. They would have the same kind of pitter patter, the same youthful mm. resistance to authority. I just didn't want to have the same two kids talking to each other and to everybody else. And so his mm. solution was like, all right, well, what if he can't talk? You know, what if that, what if the tenor of those conversations are incredibly different by virtue of the fact that they have to be. Right. Um, and they cast a, a young deaf actor, um, mm. you know, who's fantastic. Amazing. Absolutely so, amazing. I mean, both of them, both, both, both actors, Henry and Sam were really, you could see the pathos mm -hmm. in both of them. And like, the worry that Sam Henry had for Sam and, and by contrast, this worry that Sam had for Henry yeah. um, was always there and just so beautiful. So fucking beautiful. Yeah. You know, and because in the game, you know, it takes a, the, the span of the game is so long. Those things are not back to back. Like you're living right. with the game and in the world for longer than you are in the show. Mm. And so the show is going to have to like, these big things will happen every episode. We're going to find ways to break hearts every episode. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's like the whole idea that this was sort of like some lighthearted video game is completely squashed by the show. Yeah. It's like, this isn't, this isn't, and it sort of gives uh, gamers, good, bad, or indifferent, a, it, it makes you think of them very differently now. It's like you're dealing with with real life stories in this game, so you maybe you are equipped for the real world. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's it's a game as it is a show that's about right. love and all of the ways that love affects people, and right. sometimes those ways are not great. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes those ways are painful. Sometimes they destroy you. Um, sometimes right. they drive you to do things you would never ordinarily do because you love a thing or a place right. or a way of life or a, a status or whatever that is. Mm. Um, and so what are the things that at the end of the day, Joel will do for love um, and how wonderful and awful are those going to be? Um, mm. And it's, it's profound in that way. The game is a profound experience. And so far the, the show is proving to be similarly so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you, you know, I, I, you could see at, at the end of the, these episodes, at the end of this whole series, this, this, this one season, 
you will never feel the same. It, like you'll be changed by the show. That's what I'm. What, what I'm. What I've seen very much. So for those who like actually watch the show, they are changed by the show. That maybe the game didn't really change you and really didn't do it because it was a game and you could turn it off and you could do that. But the conversation that everyone is having about the show is that they are ultimately changed by the idea of what love can do for you, good, bad, and indifferent. Mm-hmm. That's that this whole series is going to change the, the is changing the conversation about the world we live in to a large degree, I think. And, yeah. you know, for those who are, are in fact watching it and those who are watching it intently will see that 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 they com- that it will change the conversation yeah i mean i think that this show is to video games what watchmen the show mm. was to comic books in mm. that it it's it's taking from the source material and both being faithful to it and drastically reinterpreting it absolutely and then finding a new thing to say about it than the original story was mm. um in ways that come through reinvention and come through just iteration and come through the change in mediums. Um, but I think it's fascinating that some of the most deeply human storytelling is coming as adaptation from sources that aren't usually traditionally referred to as deeply human. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But the whole idea of dealing with your humanity and what humanity, what has humanity done to you and what have you done to humanity? Is on display right there on that in that show. That's about a game. It's about a. That's about a game <laughs> that you play late at night till four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that guy. I've been that guy. Um, all right, before we let you go, and before we wrap up for this day, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, a a seminal artist who passed away. Um, uh, just a couple days ago, right. who, uh, who I had referenced in the open as part of my holy trinity of artists who helped me discover who I was and who I was going to be. Um, but Trugoy the Dove, plug mm. two, uh, David Junker from uh, De La Soul, uh, passed away at the age 54. Um, mm. The cause of death has not been revealed yet, um, but far, far too young. Um True tragedy in the way that that you know all young deaths are tragedies um but you know there, there was something a little bit more uh, i'm not even gonna call it bittersweet but you know de la was on the verge of recapturing their masters their rights to their own music and you they had, had their music able, back. they had their music back like you hadn't been able to stream you hadn't been able to, to it was impossible to do so because of you know law you know record company shenanigans and they got right. it back and March, they were about to, you know, release it back into the world again. They were going to go on tour again. Yep. You know, all of the, the, the financial windfalls that could be theirs was on in, in the off thing. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Know, and, and I remember there was this conversation, a smaller one, you know, us old heads always knew how great they were, but when uh, three is the magic number ended up in the closing credits to, to Spider-Man um, no way home. Right. And you're like, oh, this fucking, this bangs. Where's the rest of my De La Soul? All of this shit is great. Where, let me dust off my cassette player and my cassettes and go find Three Feet High and Rising and play that shit again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so to to watch an audience, a mass audience, kind of rediscover 
just how wonderful that music was, how joyful mm-hmm. it was, how effervescent it was, how, you know, and one of their issues were that they sampled so fucking heavily, but so mystically that clearing right. any <laughs> these samples. And like, there's never thousands, anything. There's a thousand samples in this song. How do we pay for all of this shit? Right. Um, but it's such gorgeous music. And, uh, and, and I don't know what happens to De La Soul at this point. I don't know if it, if, if they become the way the beasties did and just said, you know what, right. With the three of us and without that third member, we are not the beastie boys. And so right. whether or not, you know, Mace the Dove and, and pause the news decide they want to continue. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't but, know. But yeah, it was, it was very sad news, um, to encounter over the weekend. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, but you guys were contemporaries. You guys. We you were. Know. Yeah. I was telling you earlier, like their first show in New York was opening for us at the Ritz in New York city. Like based on that first record coming out and really sort of blowing up in New York. Mm. And we were on, you know, and we wanted to give them as much shine as they possibly could. And they were really, really good, really good guys. I hung out with Dave a lot and uh, they're good people. They were just good people and they're all really good people. And um, I'm hoping that this doesn't diminish or the efforts they did to get this record out because they, they spent a great deal of time. They had put out a GoFundMe and, Try, trying to get the, enough money so they can get their so they can get their masters back that this will not deter people going out and getting this record i hope that i hope that it makes i hope it makes the money that they wanted to make mm. i hope that it, it that it gives them the recognition that they deserve at some point and and you know unfortunately it's it's tragic but it might help <laughs> you know you never know you never know but um but yeah, like it's. I hope it is not the end of the Daisy Age. Yes, because you, know, you know the inner sound, y'all. It, it deserves to be heard, right? Um, and so, so yeah, just pouring one out for for True Boy the Dove, absolutely. Um, who uh, who helped to change my life in good ways, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think I don't think I'm alone. Um, the music was extraordinary, um, absolutely. So, and at the very least, we have that. Yes. At the very least we have. Yeah. Um, this has been a wonderful fucking hour and a half of, of <laughs> Black Man Beyond. We we have we've traversed the globe. We went to to Japan and Buenos Aires and north to Canada to talk about nerd shit and hockey. We then backed around to movie trailers and delicious smelling soaps. Thank you, Native. Um, and then you know ended. Let's with, try that body wash. Oh, dude, they got one that makes you smell like vanilla cookies. Oh, see, I can't do that. That uh, get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's trying not to be a fat guy. That's all, you know. You know, it's, well, hey, you know, it's, but sometimes you just gotta you gotta tempt yourself just a little bit. Mm. I smell delicious today. <laughs> I smell delicious. <laughs> what is that delicious smell? Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Corey, thank you so much for breaking off thank some time uh, on your Valentine's Day. Um, thank you. To just fucking nerd out with me, man. This, hey, this... no problem. I wouldn't have it any other way. This is one, what I wanted to do for a very long time and hang out with you. And like I said, I was saying to JC, I'm coming to L.A. beginning of next month. 
and I'd love to come see the bar. Maybe we can go hang out there, do something, oh, have a drink. Sure. And I hear the tater tots are good. I just, I don't know what it is. I just want to, <laughs> you know. We will, we'll, to, we'll have a night at Scum and Villainy and, uh, and we will we'll set the place on fire. Hey, there we go. I'm metaphorically, JC, metaphorically. We will not actually set your place on fire. The insurance is paid for though, right, Jay? It's JC. It's yeah, I mean, might not be the worst <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean, fire and is, is, can be fixed, but you know, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's cleansing. It's, yes, as fire is cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> um, where uh, where can the people find you on the internet? What do you got coming up? What do you want to What do you want to toss to? Um, you can find me on Instagram. Just look up my name. I'm out. I'm out there. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, on Twitter, but I don't I don't post anything on Twitter yeah. ever. Not even before that was bullshit. I never <laughs> just never did because I don't understand Twitter. Um, I, I don't get it. Um, and yeah, mostly I'm on Instagram and there's a living color page on Instagram is living color website. You can go to that. You can get our gear. You can get records and all kinds of stuff. Just come check us out. We're, we're, we are around. Outstanding. Um, Corey, thank you so much for being here. Thank Mark, man, it's my pleasure. And I'd love to do this again. And like I said, when I, I get out there in like two weeks, I'm gonna hang out. Excellent. Hit me All up. Right. We'll, we'll 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 do it right. You got um, it. And this has been another episode of Black Man Beyond. Uh, my name is Mark Bernardin, um, and we will see you same black time, same black channel, smodcast.com or youtube.com slash Kevin Smith. Be good, everybody. Good night, everybody. The, listen to the inner sound, y'all. That's right. Peace. Peace. This has been a Smodco Internet production. Sip only at Smodcast.com.